Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favour to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of The Call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at osbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Just gone midday here on Ausbiz, Australia's only markets and business streaming network. Thank you very much for joining us. You're watching the call for the next 60 minutes or so as we take a look at uh, 10 stocks that you've suggested we uh, run our eye over. I put them, put them to an expert panel uh, for their views and we do it all in the next hour or so. So it's a lot of fun, very informative and uh, a good cross-section of stocks to uh, have a look at today. Uh, welcome to our panel, Gary Glover from Novus Capital. Gary. How are you? That uh, lockdown moustache getting uh, bushier and bushier. Good to see. Yeah, I haven't used a razor in about three months. So, uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> quite enjoying that. <laughs> I bet. Gaurav Saidi, uh, always looking well-groomed from uh, from Intelligent Investor. Gaurav, how's uh, lockdown treating you? Hi, guys. Yeah, I haven't used shampoo for about five years, so I think I got you. <laughs> I, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. It certainly saves a fair bit of time during the day. All right, let's get stuck into it. We've got a fair bit to get through today. I always um, choose a stock of the day, and I thought we'd zoom in on the commodity space today in the wake of uh, uh, the coup in uh, Guinea. Um, the West African states' uh, borders are shuttered. Its future uncertain after its president was ousted in a military coup. Now, the upheaval has already been felt beyond the streets of the capital, uh, where the mineral-rich nation, being the world's number two bauxite miner, which I had no idea, uh, the immediate impact of Sunday's coup saw aluminium prices up by 3% to 10-year highs. Um, the share price of Illumina went up um, um, yesterday as well. Rio Tinto is um, a 45% stakeholder in Illumina, in uh, Halco Mining, the biggest bauxite operation in the state. And Rio's part-owned iron ore mine could be impacted um, to the likely advantage of competitors such as BHP and Bale. Simandu's nickname, which is, uh, is Pilbara Killer, pretty much sums up its global significance to the West Australian iron ore ma major. So lots of angles here to anticipate. So I uh, thought we'd take a look at Rio and, and what um, that increase in the bauxite um, price is going to do to some miners here. Uh, Gaurav, how do you think Rio will be affected by this? 
this is a boon for Rio, actually. Um, the aluminium um, business has transformed out of sight over the last probably six, seven, eight years or so. Um, it used to be the case that aluminium, and aluminium, for those who don't know, it starts off as, as bauxite, which is kind of just a simple rock mining, and it gets turned into alumina, which is a, a white powder, and that gets... Um, turned into aluminium, which of course is the metals. Um, so there's three distinct stages. And in the past, all, throw, all three of those stages were integrated into a single um, businesses and they were dominated by state-owned companies. So China, um, Saudi Arabia and Russia uh, were the three big miners. And you also had um, Rio Tinto as well, which sort of was, it was the largest independent. And um, the, all those integrated um, supply chains meant that um, there was a very tight relationship between the price of bauxite, the price of alumina, and the price of aluminium. The industry has developed now to, to, um, to kind of separate those three commodities out into their own little price cycle. So there's now an independent bauxite market, an independent alumina market, and an independent aluminium market. And all those three are quite distinct. And, and quite counterintuitively, the most attractive part of that entire value chain is not the aluminium where all the processing and energy goes. It's actually in the very basic rock mining. Bauxite is probably the most attractive part of that business. And um, Brio Tinto is very good at it. Um, the fact that, that Guinea is now potentially offline is, is wonderful news for, for Rio Tinto. And I'd also single out um, uh, Illumina. I think Illumina is going to do, well, the, the share price has reacted already. Um, we own shares in Illumina and I think it's it's going. It's probably still too cheap because that that price is going to feed straight through to their bottom line, and it's going to also impact um, alumina prices, alumina the commodity prices as well. So it's it's a very big deal in the industry, um, uh, unequivocally a positive for existing producers, um, and uh, and it will feed right through through bauxite and um, alumina prices as well. And and you've seen the share market react. It just goes to show that you know the size of your operation is one thing, but the security and the safety of it is quite another. And every time you have an operation in in Guinea, you're always going to struggle, I think, mm. with um, uh, with the security side of things. It does put a question mark also um, uh, over these this this um, new iron ore project, this Simandu project. Um, you know, it looks like that was a near certainty to be developed. I wonder if the the proponents are now going to go back and look at the risk, risk premium on it or whether the licenses are going to change hands again. It just increases the uncertainty a little bit. So um, good for the big guys, not so good for Guinea. Okay. All right. So um, you think Illumina is, is still too cheap and worth buying? I think it, what about yeah. Rio's stock price? How's yeah, look, it's it's a bit more complicated for Rio Tinto because um, they are overwhelmingly an iron ore producer and the iron ore price is tanking. So that that largely offsets any benefit they might have. They have operations in that country as well. So it, it's a, a lot more problematic for Rio Tinto. I'd say on a net basis, it's probably not much of a positive for them. I, I wouldn't be, right. be buying Rio Tinto or expecting the price to jump on the basis of this. Um, but certainly the competitors um, will, be, will be doing much better. Mm. Um, BHP to some extent, although they're not huge in this industry, um, but, but, um, but certainly uh, uh, Illumina and, and, and to a lesser extent, South 32 is, is probably the way to go. Okay. Uh, Gary? 
Yeah, I mean, Guru's covered most pretty well there, but obviously, the, you know, like, like Guinea ships out 25% of the global bauxite market, so this year, pretty pretty significant. Um, positive for the aluminium price, um, which is great for Rio in that regard. Just obviously negative in terms of the, the project there, um, but again, that's in the iron ore, which is negative. I, I just looked at the chart, actually. I noticed that um, in 2019, 2020, uh, that 105, 106 level, that was kind of the ceiling for the stock. And then yeah. once it actually broke above that, then it's it sort of you know, got up to 136 there. So I think actually that 105 zone, that's kind of where it's bounced from just recently there. That's a really key level for the stock. So breaking below 105 is probably going to be pretty negative there. It has definitely been a bit of selling in Rio just because of the iron ore, uh, the fall away in the iron ore price. So... Yeah. Yeah, it's a big level here around that 105. I think a weekly close below 105 is probably quite negative. So that's just a big level for the stock. But it is, it's a bit of a zero sum, really. I think you've got the plus there from the um, uh, from the price here in aluminium, which I think, what, 17% of their revenue for Rio, I think 9% of the EBITDA. But, um, but this project's in question now. But I guess that's a shared project um, with the group there. Um, it's yeah. funny, it's, it's the, whole, the whole thing, I, I actually found out about this... Um, because I'm a Liverpool supporter, that um, Nabi Keita, who's one of the players there, he's actually got, he's actually been caught in Guinea. That was a, that was the first I heard of this story. <laughs> was actually following a football player. Yeah. So, it's funny how the world works. Yeah. Oh, it is funny. It is um, how the how the world is so interconnected at the moment. All right, let's get into uh, the stocks that our viewers have sent in. The first one, Simeon. Uh, want to view Gary on Dusk. The um, basically the uh, um, it's a, a candle store, is it? Yeah, classic candle store. Only recently listed in the last year or so. Uh, company has 115 owned stores, and they're not not just um, um, candles, of course. Uh, anything to do with fragrance, um, red diffusers, essential oils, that sort of thing. Um, and done okay. Yeah, look, they've had an awesome run actually, really. So, um, so yeah, candles, diffusers, purifiers, just all those sort of things you buy for for gifts for, for people. Um, yep. But obviously, the lockdown here is, uh, has really um, been positive for them. The numbers have been fantastic. But the question here is, I mean, the, if you look at the forward earnings here, so what are we on? What forty-four cents earnings per share? The PE is seven and a half. Um, that's um, and if we, even if we looked. Forward to sort of 23, forecasting around 50 cents in earnings, which again the PE six and a half for the next year. So multiples pretty low here. It's just the big question mark is here: is that are they going to have the same sort of growth? Um, you know, once we come out of lockdown. So because this is probably not a you know we're seeing a lot, a lot of the reopening sort of uh, uh, trade sort of stocks really moving at the moment, and probably the stocks that have benefited the most here are starting to cool off. So Dusk is definitely one of those stocks that's uh, cooling off here. But look, from a multiple point of view, looks looks pretty um, you know pretty good value here. Just I just think mo- most most of the brokers have got sort of higher values here around 375, 380. So there's there's probably some value here. I just the big question mark for me is just um, I'm not sure it's going to hit it out of the park in the years to come, but. I definitely think maybe closer to three dollars is probably not bad buying here. Just looking at the the valuation there, but um, even on some lower sort of um, growth, there's probably some value closer to three dollars. Okay, all right. So not at these levels around. Uh, Gaurav, 
What do you think of Dusk? I, as soon as I listed, I thought, because my wife, that's her default. If you've got to take a present for somebody, she takes a candle. We spend so much on flaming candles. I thought, oh, maybe <laughs> investing in a stock, I'll get some of that back. <laughs> uh, your instinct was better than mine, David. This, this was a store I used to walk past all the time and think, how does this company make money? I just could not understand how selling candles would be profitable. I, I always um, thought about it. I've always thought to myself, I'd love to take a look at the books. I wonder how they do it. We've even gone in um, in stores and just kind of watch it for a few minutes and, and watch transactions and try to figure out the economics. Um, so I was really interested in this when it listed, and I was stunned to learn about the profitability of this business. Absolutely stunned. This is a, a wonderful retailer, really well managed, um, and it has nailed its category. It really um, understands store formats, understands supply chains, understands trends and um, and seasonality. And, it, and it's put all those things together to be a very profitable business. It's not even a little business. That's actually a, a reasonable size um, retailer. Um, it's changed a lot over the years. It started off as a as a candle maker in WA and had its own factory and they actually manufactured all their own stuff. Um, and these days they actually contract manufacture everything out of China. They they import fragrances out of Italy and they and they bang them together and they and they sell them here, which makes it a very capital light business now. And you can see that in the return on equity figure, which is just um, fantastic um, for this kind of business. I'm saying really good stuff about it, Koshi, but I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great, great quality business. But um, but you look at the sales trajectory um, and same store, same store revenue has doubled um, over last wow. year, over the year before. Um, the last two, the last two of the last three quarters, their um, the sales rose, same store sales, same store sales rose 60 percent and 70 percent. I mean, these are just crazy numbers, and it tells you that there's a remarkable boom going on um, in the business, and and the market with the, the very low PE is suggesting that that boom is not sustainable, and and I and I think that's correct. Um, you could even see in, in the results this time. Um, so the the very latest last few months of sales figures show that same store sales are now falling again, and that's to be expected. You know, I think we should be very suspicious. If the brokers are all saying this is worth a lot more than it is, and the market's valuing this at sort of six, seven times earnings, and someone's telling porkies, and it's probably not the market. Um, so, wow. this is a, a hold for me. Um, good quality business. Keep it on your watch list. Um, but those sales are very going to be extremely difficult to maintain at these levels. They just look very, very high. Um, and, and I would expect them to fall and fall a long way potentially. Um, right. But I would keep an eye on this. If you get if you can get this a bit cheaper, and it needs to be a bit cheaper, really. Um, if you if you add in if you just put um, standard sales through these numbers, it does not look it looks okay rather than cheap. So I think um, it needs to be a bit cheaper. But hold okay. for now. Good quality business. Keep it on your watch list. Hmm. Okay. All right, Callum wants to view uh, Gorabon Capital Health, uh, a diagnostic imaging service. Um, um, quite a few of those listed on the market, and many of them perform really well. This one, Baker Capital specialises in Melbourne, regional Victoria, Tasmania, and WA. Um, uh, what do you think of, uh, of Capital Health? Of course, everyone thinks all the big ones, the ProMedicuses and things like that, that have really shot up recently. Has this been left behind? 
Potentially, but I, I would say it's been left behind because it's not as good as a lot of its competitors. Now, this is a this should be a fairly good business. It's a very simple business, but it's a scale business. So it effectively involves buying a lot of capital intensive equipment, um, filling it with staff and then just running as many tests as possible through the network. Um, so uh, scale really matters here, getting relationships with with doctors and hospitals to get those scans through your um, your asset base matters. And it, from the history of this company, it hasn't done it as well as some of the others. Um, we've had a buy briefly on integral diagnostics at, um, oh, yeah. at cheaper prices. And and that's a company that that's doing things a bit more interestingly. I think it, it's, it's, it's better run. Um, the metrics look better. And, and that's the one I'd be more interested in. The... Um, I think the end game, though, is um, is consolidation in this entire industry. It just makes so much sense um, to have a handful of players operating a larger asset base and just funneling more customers through. Uh, sorry, patients, not customers. <laughs> patients through this um, through, through that um, asset base. You've seen a similar sort of pattern play out already with the um, uh, with blood collection. Um, you know, Sonic Healthcare now dominates that space along with one or two other businesses. That was a very fragmented market 10 years ago, and it's consolidated and now generates wonderful economics and good returns for everyone. I, I'd expect a similar sort of end game to, to happen here. So this is a really attractive takeover target. If, you, if you're looking for that sort of thing, I think it's a potential takeover target. So is Integral Diagnostics. I'd rather own the latter business. Okay. Uh, Gary? Yeah, I mean, the, the uh, Capital Health has been a bit of an underperformer in that sector there, but the um, probably the last result was probably their best result they've had. So I think the um, you know the revenue was up 16% for the year. Um, so net profit ran about, or oh, just under 12 mil as well. So um, plenty of cash there. Just look, I, can't, I, I, I do agree with Greg there. I think it's... Um, it's a good business. There's some solid growth in there. I actually think it's sort of trading on a reasonable multiple now because obviously it's um, the share price has gone up quite a bit. Um, but yeah, potentially there is some consolidation in this industry. But I just probably wouldn't buy it just because it's on a pretty decent multiple. The stock's had a fairly good run here. Um, it's a tough one there. It just has been a laggard there, but I definitely see some improvement in this business in the last 12 months. Probably the best 12 months for the stock because um, there was a bit of a dog there probably going back two or three years ago. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, Anne wants a view, Gary, on uh, Contact Energy and says since 2018, Contact has maintained a consistent and growing dividend. It's an energy power generation um, uh, provider, mainly uh, in New Zealand. What do you think of Contact? Yes, uh, electricity and gas and in, uh, in NZ. So look, the... The, the, the earnings are improved there. So I saw the earnings are up 24% um, year on year, but just not a really great growth sector there. I think the um, I think I, I think they're sort of expecting sort of earnings to be around 520, which will be just slightly under the last full year. So not not not, not any growth there moving forward. Yeah, I just can't get excited by the stock. Um, the share price is sort of flatlined here, really, which is probably telling you no one else is too excited either. So um, I know some people are looking at some of these assets there, but I, I just don't see it as, as a great business there on the term. So um, just an avoid for me. Yep. Uh, Gaurav? 
Yeah, anyone looking from Australia at these New Zealand um, gen tailors, you know, the uh, energy retailers and power generators, uh, would be astonished at, at the profitability and the valuations that these things go for. I mean, it's worth noting that New Zealand is a, a fraction of the size of Australia, and yet their energy, um, their listed energy businesses are worth uh, multiples of Australian listed energy businesses. And, and that reflects a couple of things. One, I'd say they're, they're better run all up um, than our energy businesses. I mean, AGL is up there with one, one of the, the worst run companies in Australia. Um, and I'd say second of all, it just reflects much better policymaking in New Zealand and, and the policies there, as well as the um, energy mix, they have much higher proportion of um, hydropower and geothermal power. It just allows for, um, uh, for much um, uh, for, for clean energy generation, simpler policymaking and, and better quality um, uh, gen tailor businesses. New Zealand's one of the last places where the integration of retailer and generation still seems to work. Everywhere else around the world, that model is, is failing, but it doesn't appear to be failing here. I would say that contact is probably the one of the weakest of the um, of, of the energy of the New Zealand energy retailers. It's not the one I would go to as my first port of call. Um, um, there's a couple of others that are actually probably more interesting. It doesn't look particularly appealing. Growth is pretty limited. Um, but I, I think the viewer makes a valid point that they, these guys generate very stable um, reoccurring cash flows that that fund stable reoccurring dividends. And if you're interested in sort of a, a 4% dividend yield, we could probably point you to a few other directions on the ASX, but you wouldn't be yeah. mad to, to pick this one either. Right. So for that sort of income-focused investor, this is a surprisingly resilient option um and and i say surprisingly because this industry is is falling apart in most places and it's still fairly robust yeah. in new zealand uh, why is that uh, don't they have the the government pricing controls on them is can they sort of set their own prices a, a lot easier than say australian similar companies well, they've always had a, a very high proportion of renewables in their energy mix. Oh, and right. so the businesses have adapted to a, a much higher load of renewables, um, you know, taking away, um, you know, uh, the peak of, 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 sol of, right. um, of high energy prices. Whereas in Australia, um, the introduction of renewables has just disrupted that entire sector. And our legacy players don't really know how to deal with it. And the policy settings aren't right to allow them to deal with it. It's not, to be fair to them, it's not entirely their fault, but the, the policies just aren't there to accommodate, um, you know, a high degree of renewables. Where they are there in New Zealand and they have been there okay. for a long time. Oh, that's interesting. Very different. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Gary, uh, Simeon wants a view on Reese, uh, the big plumbing and uh, bathroom and, and air conditioning supplier. Um, question is, um, is it worth a look after the large pullback post results? Yeah, I mean, it, the stock's sort of gone from $8 here to $26 in the last two years. So it's had a phenomenal uh, rise there. Um, I see most of the brokers have sort of um, five strong sells and one moderate sell there, even though the price has come off from, what, 26 back under $20 there. But um, we're still looking at... Uh, PE of around 39, 40 times at the moment, and even looking on um, some growth there next year, uh, what, 56 
cents um, on the earnings there. That's still around sort of 35 times. Um, so pr pretty well priced. I, just, I was still looking at the technical picture there. Just There's definitely been a bit of um, aggressive selling off the high there, just probably just selling into, you know, good news and good result there. So to me, there's just a bit of a, it's a great business there, just a price question there. But um, I'd normally expect to, I think coming back to nineteen dollars is probably the is the minimum I would see this come back to. It it could come back to all the way back to sort of seventeen dollars there, just looking at the sort of technical picture for the stock. But just the the aggressive nature of the sell down so far just tells me to sort of sit back. Um, I think maybe something like seventeen dollars quite possible on the stock here. Okay, but uh, great, Gaurav, great it's it, it's over a hundred years old, is it? Uh, mm. It's got an incredible history. Yeah, I think it's 101 years old, to be precise, Koshi. You're right, it's over a century. Amazing, right? Um, and it's it's one of Australia's finest-run businesses. You talk to any fundy, any analyst, and this is on the list of, of one of the best-managed companies in Australia. A family has um, owned and, and run this thing um, with a long-term focus and with a lot of care over a, a long period of time. And you can see the results. I mean, this really shouldn't be the kind of business that generates the returns it does. And yet here we are with a, a company with an absolute grip on the market, impossible to compete with, and now growing successfully overseas. You know, there's a lot of skepticism when they first bought Morsco in the US. And, and we had a look at it. And I must admit, we were pretty skeptical as well. We thought they were buying, a, it was a very strong Australian business with a strong Australian base, buying a, a regional fourth player in a fragmented market with much stronger competition. There's a business called Ferguson um, in the US, which is just the equivalent of, of, of Reese here, and they just do a wonderful job. And, and we thought, well, going up against Ferguson is going to be really tricky. But you know, these guys have done really, really well. They've integrated that business well. It's growing really nicely. And I think um, management deserve a lot of kudos for it. We did own the stock, but we have sold at um, at uh, I think about this price actually, and, and saw it go back up, and now it's come back down. I still think selling is the right call. It does depend a bit upon what kind of investor you are. I think if you're a very long-term investor, you can still hold this and do perfectly well over a long period of time. But for an investor trying to sort of maximize their returns, I think you'll find higher returns elsewhere at these prices. It's extremely pricey but extremely high quality. So you, okay. you can probably put yourself in one of those buckets. For me, it'd be a sell. Yep. Um, Gaurav Page uh, wants a view on Pepper Money, the, uh, the non-bank lender, mainly in mortgages, asset finance and, uh, um, and personal loans. Yeah, my apologies. I don't know this business very well, but um, we did just upgrade a, a stock in this um, in this sector called Money Me, oh, yeah. and so I might do a little pivot and just um, <laughs> and just suggest Money Me instead. So I don't know Pepper very well, um, but but Money Me is a um, is a fantastic little fintech um, with real hustle. They're just on a single technology platform. They've just launched um, innovation after innovation, new product after new product with, with very little additional capex. Um, you know, they, they're doing things that no one else in the industry can do. They've halved their funding costs, um, growing at uh, you know, double or triple digits, depending on the product. And I still don't think it's expensive because the accounting is devilishly complex. Every time they write a loan, Koshi, they actually have to recognize the impairment upfront 
So every time, the, each, each time they grow, it looks as though they're actually losing more and more money. But in fact, um, that's just an accounting anomaly. And I think that's actually part of the opportunity. It's, it's a nice little business that looks like mm. it's doing terribly on the numbers, but digging a little deeper, it's actually doing really, really well. Okay. Management own about 60, 70% of that company. And I think it's a, it's a really well placed. Um, right. We've upgraded it personally. I'd buy that over any other fintech in Australia. Oh, wow. That's a big call. Um, Gary, what do you think of Pepper? Yeah, it was actually not one that I was sort of too familiar with either, actually. So um, I was very surprised to see the market cap was like $1.2 So I thought, wow, this is um, it's a fairly substantial business for a, for a new, relatively sort of new fintech listing there. I, I'm a little nervous about the sector. Obviously, that sort of non-bank lender sort of finance there is, is so many very competitive space there. As Gaurav was talking about Money Me, there's just a lot of a lot of competitors in the in this space now. So, look, I see most of the brokers. Uh, I think there's three strong buys there, which are all around the sort of three thirty-five to three fifty-five zone. So, they're all the brokers have sort of got higher uh, estimates there. Um, on the earnings per share here at the moment, what around thirty cents? There, it's the PE is around sort of you know nine nine and a half. I think um, everyone's estimating around sort of thirty-one cents uh, earnings per share next year. Which is only a P of about eight point eight, so it's not not expensive there. I'm just I'm just not a fan of the sector there. I just feel like there's um, so many new entrants in this in this in this space here, mm. very competitive space, and um, I'm just a little worried about um, economic downturn, which which could come as well, not too far away in the next sort of twelve months. So I just think some of these sectors could could, be, could come under a lot more pressure, and um, yeah. So I just look at the, the numbers look okay to me, but um, but yeah, just just not me. I'm just not really a fan of that sector there, so um, I probably okay. would stick with what what, what I got. that one. Okay, yeah. all right. Let's recap the first five stocks and uh, our stock of the day, Rio. <coughs> it was a no from both um, Gary and Gorav, uh, although Gorav um, thinks Illumina is uh, is good value at these levels when you look at the what's happening in the bauxite and aluminium market. Uh, Dusk a hold from Gorav, uh, Gary a no until it gets down around that $3 mark. Capital Health a no from both, uh, Gorav prefers Integral in that space. Contact Energy a no, Reese a no, Pepper Money a no, uh, but uh, Gorav has just analysed Money Me and uh, uh, is a big rap on Money Me in that uh, fintech area. Um, here at the call, we've been tracking our own fantasy portfolio since the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner, NabTrade. Uh, any stocks that gets two thumbs up from our expert panel goes into the portfolio. Um, let's see how it is doing for the week, up about three quarters of a percent for the month, 3.3%, up 5.5% for this financial year. If you take a look since inception, 1st of July last year, it's up almost 43%. Take a look at some of the stocks recently added. Uh, Cluey, uh, PWR Holdings, Resimac, Deterra Royalties and PointsBet. Uh, some of the stocks removed, Raise, Energy One, Appen and Flight Centre. You can check all the stocks in the calls portfolio. Uh, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Uh, all right, let's get into uh, the second half of the call. And Gary Lorraine wants a view on Smart Group, the uh, employee management 
service provider, um, um, last um, financial year, uh, 2% down in revenue, uh, net profit um, 53% higher than the first half in 2020. Um, and they seem to add some, um, that basically the company is a salary packaging uh, business, seem to um, add a healthy level of customers over the last year or so, manages 373,000 um, uh, salary package Department of Defence uh, has just renewed as a long-term client again. Um, what do you think of Smart Group, Gary? Uh, yeah, look, I see that they've, uh, I think eight of their top 20 clients have renewed um, yep. and their largest, the largest client has renewed for five years, which is obviously um, positive there. Just, um, you've got that sort of slight decline in revenue, as you mentioned there, for the full year. Um, improvement in profitability, they obviously, you know, probably cost cutting as, as everyone has been doing. Well, not everyone, but I guess the majority of companies through the COVID period. So, look, solid company there. Just, um, I, I noticed most evaluations for most of brokers are sort of around that sort of $8. But the only outlier is Morgan's at 835 which is the highest um, um, estimate there. And we've sort of, we've, We've sort of gone near there recently. So yeah. on the current multiple, sort of 15 and a half and even sort of allowing for a little bit of growth next year, it's, it's probably not 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 cheap here. Um, but yeah, for me, it's just not a great price up here. It's sort of, I know it's just gone to a new price there. Not a lot of conviction in this sort of, um, in this run. So um, I, I think the stock will probably peel back a bit here, but not the worst business, but um, probably just not, um, I'd, be wanting to buy a lot cheaper than it currently is. Right. Uh, Gaurav? Yeah, a, a surprisingly decent company, actually. Um, we have owned this in the past and sold to buy higher returning ideas. It's been on the buy list kind of on and off for a few years for us, but hasn't. We, it's not something we've been chasing for, for a while now. And but there's not really any reason for that. It's actually been, been performing reasonably well. Um, they've got new management in there who uh, are doing just fine and managing the business really nicely. It's a really sticky customer, high cash flow generation kind of business. Um, you mentioned um, um, salary packaging. They also do uh, fleet management fleet and um, yep. a few other bits and pieces. And those sort of things, once you're actually inside a enterprise or a government department, um, you can add seats or, or users onto or, onto your uh, contract. And it's quite difficult to um, to switch providers. There's a handful of these companies in Australia doing the same thing. And they all kind of have the same sort of financial experience. So I'd say Smart Group is probably the best of the lot, the best managed and tends to generate the best financial returns. Um, and you can see that from the valuation, though, this is uh, for, for this kind of business with very limited growth, um, a 20 times or so earnings is is a bit bit high ish. But I think you can still expect um, sort of a six or seven percent return from here if you bought it. So if that sounds OK to you, it's I think it's a it, it's a it's a it's a um, high reoccurring, um, high reliability sort of business. Um, I think you can hold it and, and generate and perfectly fine returns from here. It's probably not cheap enough to buy for me, so I'll keep mm. it as a hold. But right. always one to come, good to come back to um, because this industry actually benefits from consolidation and 
if it gets bigger um, or if the industry structure changes, um, they can probably juice returns a bit more. Um, so it's it's probably one to keep an eye on. Hold. Okay. All right. Uh, Manira Gorev wants a view on Kathmandu, the big retailer. Manira says, um, what do you think of it with particularly the appointment of a new chief executive for its Rip Curl brand? Um, how does this stock rate as a retail stock? Uh, of course, Kathmandu is uh, the outdoor camping and, and uh, clothing group. Uh, Rip Curl Surf um, area. Brooke Ferris is the new chief executive who's who's been with uh, Rip Curl for quite a while in a lot of different roles. Um, Kathmandu, Gaurav? Yeah, it, look, it's not a great retailer. And it's it's been around for a long time. It has periods of, of greatness without really being a wonderful business itself. Um, there were, Australia is actually, we, we have so many high-quality retailers in on the ASX. It's it's a really a surprise if you sit back and, and just go through them. Um, you know, and to come to Kathmandu, I think, even at a cheap price, um, is dangerous. One thing I've learned from experience is is buying a retailer on valuation grounds is always the, the wrong decision. Um, <laughs> uh, you want to buy a retailer when they're rolling out stores or if you're brave, um, on the brink of a turnaround. Um, I would suggest sort of uh, retail food group is one that's on the brink of a turnaround and might be interesting if you want to buy really cheap, nasty stuff. But if you if you want to buy high quality businesses, you, you've, you've really got your, your choice in the retail sector. La Visa is probably the best quality retailer in Australia. You've got Premier Group, Accent Group. Um, the new retailers like Universal Store and Dusk are fantastic quality companies. Adairs is a good quality retailer and Baby Bunting. We've got so many. I, I can't see why you'd come to this um, with the rule in mind that the valuation is not a good enough reason to buy a retailer because when retailers start to decline, um, the the growth, the, the sort of the decline can be very, very rapid because of the the lease, um, uh, the lease um all the leases and implied debt in the business. So wow. you'd never want to buy a retailer on valuation grounds. That's the only grounds I can really see for this business. Why, if you normalize earnings and earnings have been hit really hard, it looks okay, but it's the quality just isn't there for me. I'd actually sell it and, and look at one of the better quality retailers I've mentioned. Mm, okay. Uh, Gary? Yeah, I did find this one a bit tricky here because it's, um, the last result was okay, um, but that was in the back of sort of Rip Curl. So Rip Curl had a really good, um, um, some good numbers in there, whereas the Kathmandu part, which is sort of, I guess in terms of your winter travel, that's, that was obviously lacking. So, you know, there's a few brokers sort of saying, obviously, once we open up here, then the Kathmandu numbers can improve. Um, obviously, once we start traveling again, but... Yeah, it's it's sort of sitting mid price for me, so it's not uh, not expensive or not cheap. It's sort of in the middle. Um, so yeah, I just I just found this a bit of a tough one there because it hasn't been as as Gaurav said. There's definitely some you know, better retailers there. Some sort of posted some stronger numbers and probably probably better online as well. So, but um, yeah, look, there's probably some upside in the stock, but I'm not sure if it's juicy enough for me personally. So I yeah. I've sort of got a hold here, but um. There might be a little upside in the short term just on the reopening trade. Everyone sort of think, oh, maybe the Catman do will improve. And once we start traveling again and get into the winter, being able to travel into winter zones. Um, but it's probably a short term kicker only, really. So, um, right. yeah, I'm, I'm neutral. Yeah. Yep. 
Okay, all right. Uh, interesting comment on when you rattle off all the retailers that the good ones here in Australia, we do have a lot of good ones. Um, we're yeah. good shopkeepers, aren't we? It's a um, uh, great observation. Um, Gary, Alex wants a view on GUD uh, Holdings. They're in automotive products, but but also pool and spa systems and, and water pressure pumps here in Australia, New Zealand and France. Yeah, look, it's a solid business there. Um, Again, look, it's probably trading on about 13, 14 times earnings. I think even next year's earnings are um, looking at a sort of small growth there as well, probably around 13 times. So it's not not expensive, but um, not super cheap either. I think the, the market's got a few concerns with GUD at the moment there. Um, obviously, it's had, um, you know, in that sort of auto um, sector there there's been like you know, i think 10 months of consecutive growth in sort of the you know auto sales and stuff there so that's been pretty positive for the whole sector um you've also there's, there's con- i guess the main concern is is that it will will that continue and the sweet spot there is um you know is likely to sort of falter here and, and the, the other issue is the semiconductor shortages as well which is in, impacting um new car sort of manufacturing so yeah. there's just a few little concerns there for the sector overhanging here um, so I, I think the stock's going to come lower here. Maybe you'll get a chance to buy this this business quite a bit lower here. Maybe even closer to nine dollars. So, um, mm. so to me, that's probably I would probably just hold off here. Um, yep. I think the brokers, most of broker residents are around that sort of eleven eighty five to sort of twelve thirty, which is a bit higher there. But um, they they were wound down after the last result. So yep. um, I think even GUD basically sort of. Um, in the guidance there basically sort of said that they expect the automotive growth to moderate. So they're, they're seeing a slowdown already in that sector, um, on that segment. So just think there's momentum there will push this stock lower here. But I think uh, if you're interested in the business, I think you're probably likely to buy it at $9 here in the, in the coming months. Okay. Uh, Gora, GUD? Yes, uh, a better, better business than I thought, to be fair. Um, I'm old enough to remember GUD being a, a lousy company with lousy margins and, and terrible returns, but the strategy has changed um, a fair bit over the last few years, and, and management's done a really good job of um, revitalizing the product line. So what they're trying to do now is, is specialize in, um, in very specific niche uh, car parts that aren't impacted by the transition to electric cars. So they've moved away from things like engine parts, and they now have things like air conditioning parts, uh, brake and suspension parts, um, very, very small niches where um, where the, the, the size of the market isn't large, but a whole collection of these little niches mean that they actually generate pretty good returns and um, and they're not likely to, to, to be disrupted by um, the transition to EVs. And it's a good little strategy. They've, they've bolted on a fair few acquisitions over the years, but it looks as though they've done that quite sensibly and successfully. Um, they've just bought um, an accessories business from AMA, which was a forced seller, and they bought that at a really decent price. Um, and it kind of personifies how GUD has gone about um, building its its little niche. It's, it's, it's gone out and, and been patient and waited for good opportunities, bolted them on, integrated them nicely, then waited again for the next opportunity. It's a, it's a, it's good to see. Um, look, I I still don't think it's as good a business as say a Babcorp, and and that's the company I've really got my eye on, and, I, and I'd really like to own one day, which I've, I never have. 
but I'm going to add this to the list. I'll keep it as a hold for now. It's uh, good cash generation, um, good financial returns, good management. I think business quality is about average rather than than great. So if, if that keeps right. me out of the upgrade, um, out of the upgrade pile, but hold for now. Okay. Um, Henry wants a view, Gaurav, on Aurora, the packaging company. Um, turned in a pretty good profit result last financial year. Reported strong value um, volumes in in can sales uh, in the Australasian business, but a bit of weakness in the glass segment because of uh, lower China exports and um, a few issues there. So share prices been a little weak. What do you think of Aurora? Yeah, look, one of the hardest things about COVID has been just to look at businesses and realise how large and broad the impact of COVID has been on the economy. And you know, we all think of things like travel and um, and uh, and and um, supermarkets that have have really been at the brunt of the impact. But um, when you think about it, I mean, the, the the impact has been so broad. And even something as as simple and basic as packaging is has really been impacted. Um, and it looks and, and I would suggest that um, sales have probably um, gone. Uh, gone up a little more than they would ordinarily and the sales mix has probably changed it just plays havoc with trying to understand um margins and and trying to forecast where this business might go is is very tricky and this is supposed to be a boring packaging business that's easy to do all this <laughs> um so i i don't look i don't have strong opinions on aurora i don't think it's a great quality business they have an international arm which just isn't working very well they are. They do have. They're, they're in very strong market segments here in Australia, um, and I, I think what they need to do is just um, for a packaging business, it's not. It's no longer good enough to be boring and reliable. Packaging has now become an integral part of product innovation, and the best packaging businesses are now at the forefront of innovation. You think of something like a um, an Amcor. Amcor um, can can rattle off so many innovations. Um, you know, think about how you get um, cheese and biscuits in the same packet or how you get um, screw tops on your wine or how you get your squeezable yogurts um, at the at the supermarket. These are all packaging-driven innovations and you, you really have to be a, a right on top of your game as a packaging business to deploy them, to come up with them and to manufacture them at scale. Um, Amcor is a wonderful business. I'd be into that even at high valuations rather than trying to Mm. trying to pick up um, you know a, a company that isn't quite as good um, as in, uh, um, as the case is for Aurora okay. so right. I'd actually probably sell Aurora and and um, and keep an eye on on Amcor for better Amcor. entry uh, Gary yeah look it is it is tricky actually the packaging there obviously um, I mean you, you would expect this business to sort of probably be growing a bit more than um, so I mean, I think the the full year twenty one was I think the revenue was sort of um, was off just just slightly under one percent. Net profit was up there, which is obviously a positive there. But I think a lot of businesses have been sort of cost cutting. Just in terms of um, you know, I thought obviously the world being locked down here, where we're all you know using the online a lot more, and packaging is you know is increased substantially. So I you know it's just a tough one here. I see. Um, if you look at the brokers out there, there's sort of 10 holds, one moderate buy, one moderate sell. So no no one's really too excited about the price. Yeah, I think most of the price most of the price estimates are around that sort of 320 to 340, which is kind of where we're sitting. So 
Yeah, it just doesn't leave opportunity for me. That's 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 the the view there. I, I sort of see there. So look, okay, business. I just not just not a great business for me. Um, this is the sort of business you'd only be buying it when it's on at a at a discount or when it's on sale. So right. um, yeah, so you know, I'd, I'd be buying it a lot. I want to buy it a lot lower than it, than the current share price is at the moment. So it's just sure just a hold here for me. Okay. Uh, and Susie has uh, suggested our final stock, Gary, uh, Home Consortium, a, a real estate investment trust in uh, sort of large format stores, aren't they, in that, um, uh, that, that home furnishing and uh, market. But they've just sp- spun off um, a, a separate one in um, medical services, haven't they? Medical centres? Yes, it's basically like a home co is so yeah. get all, everything sort of from your Bunnings and um, so it's kind of like a larger sort of format there. Format, but yep. it's yeah, so it's an interesting business. I mean, it's like it's now up to around two point one billion market cap, so pretty decent size. I mean, the, the share price has had a phenomenal run here. Um, they've really sort of gone into that more regional area, so Coffs Harbour, sort of Penrith, you know, sort of Wagga sort of areas. So they're not sort of in the sort of cities. Um, so that, look, the format works. The, the numbers are pretty good, I think. Um, 96% sort of occupancy across their centres, so some pretty good numbers there. Just just a pretty big market cap here. It's just had a sensational run. So, um, you know, we're, we're, on, we're just on some big multiples there, but we're, we're pricing in a bit of growth as well. It, it is a bit of a ramp-up sort of story. So been, there's been quite a few acquisitions over the last um, two years. It's almost doubled in, in sort mm. of size here, just, just through... Um, for acquisition, so I, I think this is going to continue to grow. Obviously, there's going to be growth there. Just just pricing in a lot of that growth here at the moment, so just hard to buy it here with the uh, with the current multiple. I think even on sort of forward estimates, there still on about 27 numbers on 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 next year's numbers. So pretty sort of pretty pricey here, but yeah, it's just a tough one now. It, mm. Not a bad segment, some good numbers there, but just yep. uh, you're paying for it currently. And Gaurav seems to be pretty innovative as well. I think uh, Homeco has a stake in the new REIT, doesn't it? The the health-oriented one. Yes, that's right. So they spun off a, a health REIT, um, and who knows what else they could spin off from here. This is a really yeah. interesting, well-run business. I would, I'm stunned to see how successful it's become. I sort of we had a bit of a look at this um, uh, when it IPO'd, and. Thought it looked interesting, put it to the side, never came back to it again. Um, turned around, it was a $2 billion business. <laughs> uh, it happens sometimes. Um, and I think it's instructive, though. I mean, when you look at this REIT sector, REITs used to be... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The just boring office blocks and shopping centers that investors bought most well plainly for for yield and and nothing else and what's happened is that that REIT sector has undergone a real innovation where lots of specialty little REITs have popped up 
things like um, national storage. Um, you've got REITs specialising in education uh, providers, REITs specialising in, in mm. healthcare providers, in very specific shopping types, uh, shopping centre types. Um, and in the US, you've got also sort of data centre REITs and, and technology REITs, um, tower REITs, fibre REITs. There's a whole lot of innovation going on, and they're designed to capture assets that not only provide stable incomes, but can grow considerably. And it just leaves it leaves traditional um, ways to value these REITs in a little bit of limbo. I mean, the traditional metrics make, make a mockery of this business. This is trading on three times tangible asset backing. And usually, mm. you'd want to buy REITs somewhere around um, that tangible asset backing. And, and clearly, you can't do that here. Uh, because it's growing so fast and because the format is is quite unique they're generating um, the economics are also quite unique and the returns they're getting are, are, are pretty amazing actually so i think it i don't think it's crazy to pay high prices for this kind of business mm. but um, it does warp the mind when we're used to be used to thinking about an asset class in a particular way then the whole thing yeah. changes and there's all these new innovative little businesses um, this falls into that category I, I'll, I'll say hold it looks very expensive but um, it, it is an interesting quality business and they've shown themselves to be um, really innovative and, and come up with new ways of generating value. And those sort of companies are rare. When you find them, you, you want to sell yep. them very slow. Yeah, yeah. Good management indeed. Um, thank you, gents. That's our 10 stocks for today. Gaurav Sodhi from Intelligent Investor. Thanks for stepping up at late notice. Really appreciate your time. Always great to catch up. Pleasure. Thank you. Gary Glover. Keep the, uh, the lockdown look going and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Yeah, good luck on the weekend too. Again. All right. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Bad luck to your boys. Oh, uh, Gary's a Brisbane Bears fan. So uh, heartbreak on the weekend. So, all right, mate. See ya. All right, let's check the final five stocks. Um, uh, Smart Group, a no from Gary, a hold from Gaurav. Kathmandu, uh, a sell from Gaurav. Um, plenty of other... Uh, great retailers listed that uh, on the market that, that Gaurav would prefer. A no from Gary. Uh, GUD, a hold from Gaurav, a no from Gary. Aurora, uh, a no from both. Uh, Gaurav prefers Amcor in that space. And um, Home Consortium, a hold from uh, Gaurav, a no from Gary. Uh, that's our show for today. If you like any stocks covered here on the call, um, stick them in an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. Just a reminder, you can see all the stocks in the calls portfolio at ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Great to have your company on the call. See you same time tomorrow.